Hello, and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. We also have our YouTube channel launching soon, so be sure you check back. You can also follow me on Instagram for all those updates at Speak a Dogcast. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, do me a favor, scroll on down, give me that five-star rating, leave me a great review. I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. Now, today on the podcast, we have Back to Basics, Making a Good Dog, right? Our Back to Basics segment, we go and we talk about the very basics. Look, all the greats always practice the basics. It's important that you guys do too. This segment is full of tons of info today. Very big segment on not only what makes a good dog, but we're going to talk about the how, how we get it there, putting it into play. Then comes Talking Dogs, or are they... Oh boy, there's a lot on social media about dogs and we're gonna talk about one of those myths today. I try to keep it together as much as I can on that segment, but you'll uh, check it out and <clears throat> see what I'm talking about. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, keep sending them my way. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to just message me on social media. Now, before we get going with today's show, gotta ask you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, what? is the fastest moving ant. Yes, what is the fastest moving ant? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, back to basics, making a good dog. Now, we all want a good dog, right? Everybody wants to have a good dog. Not everybody wants to do what it takes to make a good dog. (laughs) And so today, I'm giving you a jam-packed segment. I'm giving you a ton of info today. We're going over a lot of stuff. Uh, Not just the how, but the how. Not just, you know, what makes a good, rather, not just what, but how to. We're going to talk about what makes a good dog and then how to implement the things that I think make a good dog, okay? So this is a lot. We got a lot of info to cover here and... uh, here we go. <laughs> Look, first and foremost, you guys know it. I, I know you do. Most of you, maybe not all of you, maybe some new dog owners out there, all good. But it's consistency. It's consistency, routine, repetition, following through, for lack of a better way to say it. Um, you know, all these things that we're going to talk about today with lack of follow through, with lack of actually, you know, doing them, uh, this isn't going to work. It's that simple. Without following through, Dog training doesn't work. I know that's like a woo crazy concept. No, it's not. Uh, put in the time, put in the effort, and you get results, guys. Don't put in the time, don't put in the effort, you don't get results, all right? It's really that simplistic, okay? So we're gonna talk about what it takes to make a good dog today and how to do it. First thing, first and foremost, focus, guys. Focus, that's what makes a good dog. Look, if I could really only give you Two pieces of advice, as I love saying, if I could only give you two pieces of advice for training any animal on this planet, any species, anything, any animal on this planet, two things, if I could only say two things about it, it's going to be this. First thing is going to be own it. Have confidence is what I mean. What does own it mean? Own it means have confidence. Uh, Act sure of yourself. Be certain because certainty is survival in the animal kingdom. And so you've got to be certain if you want to be heard. It's that simple, guys. Confidence, that's the first thing. Second thing, know where the animal's focus is, and have the ability to guide and direct it. If you know where an animal's focus is and you have the ability to control it, guide and direct it, 
You can do anything with animals. You can train them. You can work with them in a cohesive way. You can do awesome stuff with animals, but only if you have their focus and have the ability to guide and direct it. Really important stuff right there. That's really, listen to that, right? So you have to have your dog's focus. You have to be able to control it. So in any moment, can you control your dog's focus? That's the question you have to ask yourself. No matter what's going on, can I control my dog's focus? Now look, guys. No one's going to get 100% on that test, <laughs> okay? Even some of the well, most well-trained police dogs, military dogs, no animal is 100% perfect, okay? So I'm not, I'm, let's be a little realistic about it. I'm not saying, does your dog always listen to you? Can you always get their focus? Because that's just, that's unrealistic and ridiculous. It's just like children. <laughs> Any parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. Your children are not going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, guys, let's talk about that for just a quick second. Quick note. Screwing up, <laughs> failure, failing. That's how we learn. That's how dogs learn. That's how animals learn. We all learn through failure. Some of us learn better, faster than others in certain failures. Some of us never learn from our failures. Um, unfortunately, that's the truth, isn't it? So the difference is dogs do learn from their failures if you give them the right information, okay? Um, so failures are inevitable. That's the point I'm trying to get at. Don't expect perfection out of your dog with focus or with anything uh, because we're not going to get it 100% of the time. All right. So we have to have our dog's focus. Let's talk about how we get it. One of my most basic exercises that I talk about, guys, the kissy noise exercise. My favorite sound to make. Now, look, you can substitute different sounds for this. I know some people have asked me this before. Can I put a different noise? David, I can't do the kissy noise. I mean, I, some people say I can't do the kissy noise. That's fine. You know, maybe you can't do that. Uh, some people can't roll their tongue. You know, there's all, <laughs> right, certain things. So that's fine. You can use their name. You can use even a snap noise. You can use a clap noise. You can pair any sound. All this is is conditioning. So the whole concept is I want to condition a noise, a form of redirection to redirect the dog's focus toward me and then reward them for it. So my exercise is going to be uh, we're going to have our treat pouch on. We're going to have our dog leashed up. Maybe ask him for a sit. You know, we'll start very basic, very, very basic. Where I'll just make the kissy noise, wave the treat in front of their face, bring the treat up to my chin after, you know, showing them I have the food. That's the whole point. I want to wave it in front of his nose so they get the smell. They know, hey, here's the food. Bring the treat under my chin, hold it there, lock eye contact with the dog, say, good boy, good girl, and then feed them the reward. And so what we're doing is we're creating focus. I'm teaching that dog when I redirect your focus, when I create some form of redirection, kissing noise, calling your name, you can now you can also kissy noise and call the name, clap and call the name, snap and call the name. Uh, nothing wrong with pairing the name with it too, because a name, calling their name is a form of redirection, pretty much the same as kissy noise, snapping, okay? So feel free to put the name with it. Kissy noise, fluffy, treat under the chin, eye contact, lock it, good boy, and then feed them. Now, sometimes I'm going to hold that focus for a second. Sometimes it's going to be 10 seconds, 30 seconds. Sometimes it's a minute holding that focus. So it shows them, doesn't matter what's going on, you always need to be paying attention. Sometimes I'll hold your focus for five seconds. Sometimes, okay, so that way they can adapt and learn. It doesn't matter what's going on. I redirect to mom or dad. Boom, no problem. Food, cool, awesome. I get good stuff when I redirect to mom and dad. That's the most basic way. Now, we build off of that over time. But what's today? Today's back to basics, okay? So let's not get too deep into that. But that's how the kissing noise starts. Now, from there, guys, we go to leash work. We go to walks, right? Now, I don't want you to just 
go outside and start walking your dog if you never have. If you have a brand new puppy, it starts inside, okay? First, it starts with that kissy noise. Next, we're gonna up it by starting to actually just walk around the house with our dog, getting them to focus on us. Now, if we've already done the kissy noise, we start walking, kissy noise as we're walking, and before you know it, the dog's looking up at you and like, yeah, this is great, I'm gonna follow you. I know what that kissy noise means. Boom, you're gonna feed them as you're walking. Okay, so we're starting to create a small exercise just inside the home of focus, follow me on leash, and creating some leash work. Now, once we start doing the kissy noise as we're walking, then I'm gonna turn and walk the other direction, and all of a sudden your puppy's probably gonna keep going the way you were going. What are you gonna do? Kissy noise, redirect, the dog starts to follow you. Okay, so you see what we're doing is we're killing a couple birds with one stone here. I know, uh, animal podcast, bad pun, uh, <laughs> or uh, whatever. Um, uh, but you, you, you get what I'm saying here. The whole concept is we're, we're creating focus. We're teaching them to follow us. We're teaching them to walk on a leash. Very basic, but that's where it starts. Look, you got to walk before you run, guys. You got to crawl before you walk. So you have to start with basic focus. Focus on leash, rewarding leash, following, creating, keeping that focus. That's where it starts to get on a walk. Then, okay, then once I feel like I'm walking around the house, turning, kids, I can redirect, they're following me, they're paying attention, all as well. Maybe then we'll start to walk outside. But we're gonna take our time and we're gonna take baby steps. If I walk out the door and all of a sudden the dog bolts on me, they're trying to get six feet out in front of me on leash, we're gonna turn right, right, right back around, go inside and try it again. Slow things down, okay? Like I see that a lot where they're like, well, they just want to go. They just want to go. I just want to. So they just want to don't let them. <laughs> Whatever you let them get away with, that's the behavior they're practicing. And that's what they think. They're just, don't let it happen. Okay. Um, so that's where it's going to start. Inside with focus, slowly introducing the leash, teaching them to walk and focus. Okay. Turning, starting to teach our dog. When I turn, you turn. You need to follow me. Uh, and then we take it outside and slowly make our way out onto the walk. Look, guys, I would rather you stick around the house and practice walking and turning in circles. That's a little bit of what it is and easier said than done. I know I'm not giving you all the info right now. Back to basics. Okay, but I'd rather you spend some time close to home and really nailing down that focus with your dog and teaching them to stay with you on the walk before you get far away from the house and find distractions and you know all kinds of stuff. It's better to cement it close by, take baby steps and work your way up to it. Like I said, guys, gotta walk before you run. Okay, you've got to create focus with your dog on a leash before you can expect them to walk next to you on a nice loose leash, right? Practice the basics. The good ones always do, don't they? All right, so then, uh, like I said, you get to the longer walks. We're not going to get too in-depth because, once again, basics. <laughs> okay, next, how do we make a good dog? All right, we've got the focus. We've got the walks. We've got to have good leash work. Next comes commands, now, I've talked about commands and that the fact that I, I don't like to rely on commands. Um, I may not even always use commands. I do use them quite a bit. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with using commands, you know, a sit, a stay, a lie down, a leave it, a drop it, normal commands that we think of. Nothing wrong with using commands. You should have them in your back pocket. But like I said, I don't want you to rely on them. What do I mean by that? I mean that just because a dog knows how to sit doesn't mean they know how to listen. Think about that. When we teach a dog to sit, we're actually teaching a conditioned response. Sit, here's a hand signal, a vocal cue, and then you get, a, you get food. So we're just conditioning this response. So if I condition it so autopilot that this dog here sit and goes down immediately, sit and goes down immediately, sit and goes down immediately, they're going, well, David, he's listening. Uh, is he? Or is the conditioned response just so hard that it hears sit and it goes into autopilot? See, so my point is, and I know it's like a little bit of a fine line here, 
But just because a dog knows how to sit does not mean they know how to listen. So I want to make that little differentiation uh, that commands are good, but <laughs> I don't want to rely on them too much because I need more than that. Okay. Again, basics won't go dive too deep. All right. So commands, what are my commands? My basic, I, look, we can go all day. There's lots of different commands we can do, but I think there's some good basic ones to start with. Obviously the sit, um, everybody knows a sit command. Most people know how to train a sit. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy. Uh, it is, but may, maybe you've never trained a dog before. Maybe you just don't know. Maybe your dog already came to you with a sit and you didn't train the sit. Um, there's all kinds of reasons you may not know how to do it. So all good. Um, what we'll do is we'll actually, we'll, we'll, anytime we're working with our dog and we're training them something new, we want to make sure that they're leashed up. Okay. Now, I hadn't talked about tools yet, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, you know what? Let's just do it right now. Well, why not? We'll, we'll squeeze it in right now. Uh, what kind of tools do you want to be using? Guys, six-foot leash, a six-foot regular old nylon leash or a leather leash, something that's not too you know big and ridiculous, nothing, nothing that's retractable, nothing that's springy. I want a nice regular old six-foot leash. Then we're going to use a martingale collar. Most of the time, that's my go-to collar. There are the exceptions, but vast majority of you out there, guys, vast majority of you big dogs, small dogs, medium dogs, you name it, martingale collar, that's going to be your go-to. M-A-R-T-I-N-G-A-L-E, martingale collar. Uh, I, you know, maybe maybe someday we'll be getting a store up and going and I'll be selling these collars. Ah, there's ideas happening. Maybe they're already in the works. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of good stuff coming this year, guys. I told you. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. So, But again, martingale collar, leash. And when we're working with our dogs, teaching them something new, it's important that you leash your dog up with these proper tools. Okay, now we have them leashed up. I've got my treat pouch and treats too. Don't forget your treats, very important. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the treat and kind of put it above the dog's nose, kind of guiding them back into a sit position. Now you can kind of combine this with a little pull on the collar. Pull, very light guys, like a gentle directing pull back and treat up. And before you know it, the dog's gonna be sitting backwards. And once they go into that sit position, you're gonna say, good boy, and feed them a treat. Okay. Now you can also push on their butt a little bit. Sometimes people will push on the butt, kind of help them out. You can use a little collar and push at the same time. Nothing wrong with that either. Okay. But the whole idea is that we want to guide them into that sit, reward it, guide them into that sit, reward it, use the treat to guide them into the sit, reward it. Okay. Very quickly, your dog will understand Now, There's all different kinds of hand signals you can use guys, whatever. There's no right and wrong on that. Whatever hand signals you want to use for your dog are totally fine. Okay. Lie down. To teach a lie down, I like to put a dog into a sit first. This is why I like to teach the sit command first. Makes it a little easier. Um, and then once they're in the sit, same concept, but going the other direction. I'm gonna take the treat in front of their face. Make sure you're kind of holding the leash here though, because they might try to just pop up and move forward and that's not what we want. I wanna actually guide them into a lie down. So I might even pull down a little bit on the leash and bring the treat forward as to guide their nose down and show them I want them to come down. A lot of dogs, if you just provide a very little minimal amount of tension as you're pulling the treat down, they feel that and a lot of them will just go right into it. It's fantastic. Once they lie down, feed them that treat. Now guys, little thing about the lie down, don't let your dog cheat, right? They try to like almost go all the way down, but keep the elbows up. Uh, uh, uh. Elbows all the way down. Don't accept anything less. First time they do it, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. Sure, accept a little less. There's my, there's always exceptions to the rules. I always say that. Uh, but for the most part, after that, don't want to accept anything less than a full lie down. And then we can start a stay. I sometimes like to start teaching a stay from the lie down because they're already in like that kind of stationary neutral position and you can kind of get them to just stay, right? So then I say stay, they keep saying, good stay, 
feed him a treat as they continue to lie down. Once I'm done with the treat, stay, continue staying. Then we get to the release word, right? This is why I like to train these in this order. It works very well. It actually flows very nicely because you do a sit, then you do a lie down, then you do a stay, and then we do a release. A release word is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, It's meant to tell the dog we're done. Okay, if I ask for a sit, you should continue to sit until I release you. If I ask you to stay, you should continue to stay until I release you. When I put down the food bowl, you should stay until I release you. We walk out the front door, you should stay until I release you. We're running through some fun tricks, and now we're done, I release them so they know we're done. Okay, so my release words, all right, some people say, okay, doesn't really matter, whatever you want to make that release word, but the whole concept is that I'm going to release them. So, they're in a lie down, they're in a stay. In order to show them that they're released... Uh, excuse me, you're actually going to take the leash and just pull forward just a little bit, like guiding them up out of the lie down. Just give them a little pull and say, all right, at the same time. They'll pop up out of that position. You'll say, yeah, good boy, and get them to come to you, pet them, give them some love, good time for affection when you release them. You'll notice I didn't say anything about giving the dog affection when I was teaching these commands. Here's why. The problem is if you start going in and giving affection, your dog's just going to pop up, get excited, and forget about what they're even doing. But if I just can give a treat and say, good boy, keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. And then once I say, all right, we're done, and then give the affection, I can actually utilize that affection to save it for the big reward in the end. If you have a good relationship with your dog, that reward means a lot to them. So I like to use that after the release and not use the uh, affection during because it tends to distract. Food keeps them focused, right? So a little food for thought there, food for thought, food. Um, (laughs) Okay, so... The next two commands are the leave it and the drop it. Leave it. Leave it means leave it alone. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Leave that alone. (laughs) You know, the leave it can be a lot of things. It can be if I drop some food on the floor and I don't want them to touch it. Uh, Maybe it's something they just shouldn't put in their mouth. Leave it. Maybe they see a squirrel run run by us when we're on the walk. Leave it. Maybe I just don't want to say hi to that person today. Leave it. (laughs) Okay, how do we teach a leave it? I start with treats. Leash them up, right? We're already, we should already be leashed up. We're already training this stuff, right? So you guys are, okay. Leash them up. I'm going to put them in a sit and I pulled the leash and I keep it pretty short. Then I'll move in with my hand and I'll say, leave it with a treat, right? Sorry, take the treat in my hand, move it toward their face, but keep it out of reach and say, leave it. Now, most likely the first time, what's going to happen? The dog doesn't know what leave it means. It's going to go for the treat. That's why we got a short leash. They go for the treat. They can't get to it. I pull them back and I say, no, leave it. Put the treat back again. They go to lunge again, guess what? Pull them back, say, no, leave it, okay? Once they back off, you'll see it. They'll back off, like they'll wait, they'll be, oh, okay, yeah, back off. If they back off for even just a, good, leave it, good, right? Then I wait another two or three seconds and then, all right, release them, let them have the food. Put the food in their mouth, I mean, give it to them, you know? Show them, you leave it and stay and wait. I release you, you get the treat. Very black and white, I put it in your face, okay? the, the, the leave it's very easy. People make it more complicated than it needs to be. Just don't let them have the treat. It's that simple. They need to be leashed up and don't let them have it when you tell them leave it. Once they start to get the leave it with you holding the treat in your hand, then I take it up a notch. I'll say leave it and then place the treat on the floor and say leave it again. Take my hand away. Again, they might try to go for it. I got the leash short. They're not getting it. That's simple, guys. That's simple. Okay. Then I'll take it up a notch from there. Instead of just placing it on the floor, I might drop it on the floor, throw it on the floor as if food were falling on the ground. Leave it. 
right? Okay, then I take it up a notch. We walk out the front door, they see a lizard run by. Sorry, people that aren't in Florida, you don't have lizards. Maybe you have a chipmunk, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) It runs by, I say, leave it. They leave it, I got my treat badge, boom, I'm rewarding the behavior. Okay, this is how we shape behaviors. This is how we evolve behaviors and we can actually uh, uh, grow them. You know, and that's the idea is you wanna grow this behavior to be strengthened. So leave it can mean leave anything alone. Pretty simple, right? Drop it, the drop it command. Oh my goodness, the dreaded drop it. You puppy owners out there are like, oh, David, tell me how to do this. My dog is grabbing things they shouldn't. Look, first of all, dogs grabbing things they shouldn't, don't make it a game, right? That's the first thing. Don't chase your dog around. I know it's tough. And look, if they have something dangerous, that's a little harder, <laughs> okay? You still wanna try to not make it a game because they're gonna try to play keep away, all right? But this is why we wanna set our do- dogs up for success. I wanna teach them a drop it command as early on as I can, right? As early on as I can so they don't, we don't have a situation where they have something dangerous and they don't know what to do. They don't know the drop it. Now look, I'm gonna say this about the drop it. A lot of people like to trade their dog for something. I'm not really a believer of this. I don't get on board with this trading for something. Can you redirect it? Sure. But I'm not going to look at the dog and go, oh, they have something in their mouth. Do you want this instead? And then they give it to me and then I reinforce it. Because what's going to end up happening, guys, is they're going to go start grabbing crap they shouldn't bring it to you to get the reward. That's what you'll end up conditioning. Not always. Depends on the dog. Depends on how it's done. Depends on the timing of it. All that kind of stuff. But yeah, inadvertently, I've seen it happen time and time again where people actually condition the dog to bring them crap (laughs) just so the dog can get the reward. Not a good plan because it's going to bring you something it shouldn't one day and it's going to be a problem, okay? So what I prefer to do is I like to start with a toy, something they're allowed to have that's fun, that's not a problem if they have it. I start with a toy that they like and I get them to grab the toy. Okay, now again, remember, we're training a new behavior, so what do we have? a leash and collar on, okay? We're gonna leash them up, I'm gonna give them their favorite toy, and then when I'm ready for them to drop it, I'm gonna I'm gonna just grab the toy and I'm gonna stiffen up, right? We've been playing, I'm kinda pulling back and forth, we're playing tug of war, and when I'm ready for them to drop it, I'm gonna stiffen up and say, drop it. Now, if you have a yellow lab, if you have a retriever, I can guarantee you the next thing they're gonna do is keep playing tug of war with you. <laughs> you still have to just stay stiff, wait a few more seconds, say, drop it. Now, the idea is, ideally, I want the dog to just realize this isn't as fun as it was a second ago because he's not tugging back. I'm just going to let go of it. Once they let go of it, good boy, take the toy away. Good boy, good drop it and give them a reward. Give them a treat. Then you can give the toy back. All right, aha, release word. There it is again because I told them to drop the toy. They need to know to leave it alone until I release them and tell them it's okay again or it's not okay. Maybe I don't release them. That's the power of having that release word in your in your arsenal, guys, I'm telling you. Okay. All right. So if the dog doesn't relinquish it though, let's say we get that. Because ideally I just want to capture them dropping stuff and say, good, drop it. Guys, for that matter, when you're around the house and your dog's playing with a toy and all of a sudden they just drop the toy randomly, say, good, drop it. You'd be shocked. Your dog will pick up on that stuff if you're consistent enough and you do it enough. You don't even have to be in the middle of a training session. Take advantage of those moments to capture behaviors that present themselves to you, okay? If it's something desired and something you want, tell them you love it and reinforce it, right? Okay, so the other thing is, again, if the dog doesn't relinquish the toy, well, then I can take the collar and just pull it a little tight and hold. One of my few exceptions for pulling a tight collar. Now, again, I'm not pulling sword. I'm pulling just little tight. So it's just kind of a little, little, little uncomfortable, a little bit of tension. And I'm just pulling, just hold and wait, 
Hold the toy in one hand, hold the leash in the other, drop it. Oh, wait. And I'm going to wait the dog out. And I promise you at some point they're going to go, this stinks. Forget it. Blah. Drop the toy. Done. Good. Drop it. Good boy. Give him a treat. Okay. The dog is going to start to understand, oh my gosh, I give stuff up and this actually works pretty well for me. Again, if we train this early on and we don't let it become a game, it never becomes a problem. It's very important to teach your dog the drop it command from an early age. If you don't have a mouthy dog, if you don't have a dog that chews toys very much, that bites anything, that picks things up they shouldn't, maybe you don't even need a drop it command. Like, don't get me wrong. I've actually met dogs where it's quite frankly just not even necessary. Uh, However, majority of dogs, like 98% of you, you're going to need that drop it command. Trust me on that. Um, all right. So again, just to reiterate, we have a sit, we have a stay, we have a lie down, a leave it, a drop it, and that release command, uh, all right or okay, whatever you want to make it. Okay. It's important to have these things, guys. It's important. This is what creates a well-rounded dog. You'll notice it's not one thing. You'll notice it's not one thing that creates, not love, it's not affection that makes a good dog. That's a part of it. That's what makes a good dog. But I don't have to tell you guys to do that because if you got a dog, I'm pretty sure you're going to be giving it affection. I mean, I give, I love my guys, right? Like I give my dogs affection all the time in the right context, in the right setting. Okay, so what about allowable behaviors, right? Like generalized behaviors. What's allowed in a dog? Are dogs ever allowed to act crazy? I get that one, right? Are dogs ever allowed, David, you seem so strict. You're such an authoritarian. No, I'm not. Go look at my Instagram, guys. You'll see the dogs pouncing around and having a good time. I want dogs to be dogs, but what most people don't understand about dogs is dogs are actually wired in a hierarchy. Dogs are meant to have structure, rules, boundaries, discipline in their lives, whether it be playtime or not. They are meant to have a constant structure in their life, as are we. Look at the way we live in our societies. That's what animals crave, guys. Um, so, yes, our dogs are allowed to be crazy, but within reason, I don't really like crazy, right? I don't even want that word. I want our dogs to be dogs. I don't want them to be nuts. I don't want them to be crazy. I don't want them to be lunatics. I don't want them to be bouncing like a ping pong ball over my house, because mentally I know what that means, we look at a lot of these cute behaviors in dogs, and I got news for you guys. They're not so cute. We think they are, but they're not. We humanize and anthropomorphize our animals, and we don't really understand this is a canine. This is wired differently than us. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be called a dog. <laughs> okay? So while I want my dogs to be dogs and go have fun, I also need them to know when I say stop, it's time to stop. When I say sit down and relax, it's time to sit down and relax. When I say come inside, it's time to come inside. When I say don't bolt out the door because there's cars in the road, don't. I don't see what's so unreasonable about wanting a dog to be a dog, but people don't understand what that means anymore. That's really the problem. So you want to talk about allowable behaviors. Um, I really just want my dogs to listen. That's really all I care about, guys. I want my dogs to be dogs, but I need them to listen, need them to be able to focus, need them to be able to pay attention. So when we talk about allowable behaviors, I do say to some degree, your dog is your dog. What you want to decide is acceptable in your home is, well, that's up to you. As a professional, I'll tell you if that's going to get you the best results, but it's your dog, guys, to each his own, you know? Um, so like dogs being on furniture, that's a personal rule. That's That's exactly fits in with that. Whether you want dogs on furniture or not, Nothing wrong with it. What I care about is do you have control over it? Does the dog just jump on people's laps whenever the hell it feels like it? Does it just walk all over the couch like it owns the place and has no regard for other people's or other dogs' personal space? 
Does your dog get off the couch when you say get off? Does the dog get on the couch when you say get on? Is it a battle? These are the things that are important. And it's not the behavior unto itself. It's not the dog, the, the act of being on the furniture. It's how they are on the furniture. Do they get possessive over it? Right? So I ask you to just put a head on your shoulders, guys. Use some common sense and go, wow, should I, should that be an acceptable behavior for a dog? Boy, they're, they're lifting their lip at me because I want to sit where they are. And well, oh, Fluffy doesn't like to be disturbed when he's on his spot. Absolutely not. Wrong answer. Try again. No, that is an unacceptable behavior. This is what I'm talking about, guys. Use your brains. Dogs are not supposed to just go at people and that's not normal. That's not okay. And we need to stop letting them do it. So we want to talk about allowable behaviors. Use your brain, guys. This isn't rocket science, okay? Behaviorally, what should a dog do? They should be calm. They should be respectful, believe it or not. Yes. Uh, they should not bark at every dog they see. They should not bark at every noise they hear. Um, they should stop barking when you tell them to. They should, for lack of a better phrase, they should do what you ask them to do. That's why they're man's best friend, guys. Because they want to please you, but if you don't give them the right info, you don't give them the right, what happens, right? So I know I kind of went on a little tangent on the allowable behaviors. Let's move on. Um, how about heading off bad behaviors? That's what really makes a good dog. Getting ahead of this stuff. Not allowing bad behaviors to snowball and escalate out of control. Guys, you want to know the best way to curb bad behaviors in your dog? Hadn't even really talked about it ad nauseum yet in this you know we, we glanced over it i didn't really like beat it into you yet walks <laughs> i was just talking to somebody today about this um you know i did i actually did uh kind of an experiment where i didn't walk my dogs for a week or two i know david totally night and day difference guys my dogs are amazing we still did like doggy day camp and stuff and they're awesome dogs and they're well behaved and they're well-rounded but we didn't walk them and they were miserable they were antsy. They were frustrated because they weren't getting that basic instinctual need. Now, I knew what the result would be, I'll be honest, but it was an experiment. It was an experiment. Is, 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 can we truly see? Can we truly see a difference in our dogs with or without a proper walk? And the answer is overwhelmingly, yes, you can. You want to head off bad behaviors, properly exercise your dog. And the best way to do that is to start with a proper walk. Now, proper socialization is another big part of it, guys. I mean, honestly, like everything else aside from, you know, the focus, the specifics of the walks, the commands, everything else aside, you want to create a good dog. You want to make a good dog. You need to walk them every single day and you need to walk them properly. You need to properly socialize your dogs around people, around dogs, around animals, constantly getting them around, giving them the information of what is acceptable behavior and what is unacceptable behavior. And without that proper socialization, you cannot create a well-rounded dog. It's that simple. Okay, so exercise as well. It's more than just the walk. Playtime. Playtime is a healthy way to give our dogs that physical supplement, that physical exercise they need, and it's a very important part of their lives and their and their um, their natural structure. You know, games, playtime with puppies. For predators in general, playtime is a way to simulate the hunt. So it's an instinctual way to give them that good exercise that they need. It's not a substitute for the walk, but it is a supplement for the walk. Another way to create a good dog, uh, dog, guys, is be involved. Be involved with your dog's life. Don't just go to the dog park and zone out into your phone. Be actively involved in your dog's life, telling them what you like, reinforcing constantly behaviors you like, and redirecting and punishing things you don't like. You have to be active in your dog's life to create a good dog. 
right? Um, the other thing is communicate with them. You, you know, that's, a, that's the part of the involvement. You have to be able to communicate with your dogs and telling them what you like and what you don't. And the only way to communicate with them properly is to understand the basics that go into the science. Reinforcement, punishment, how many segments on this podcast? Go check them out, guys. All kinds of great info. Because without understanding what a treat is, what a leash is, what corrections are, what reinforcement is, what punishment is, without that knowledge, how do you know what you're doing? Ask yourself that question, guys. Do you really know what you're doing? Do you know what a treat is? It's so important. So you want to create a well-rounded dog? Make sure you're making yourself knowledgeable too. Once again, guys, let's just go over it. We got to create and start with focus. Those focuses lead us to the walks and leash work. Once we get some good walks and leash work, then we get the proper walk going, proper exercise, always going to help. Start slow, work up to the big walk. Next thing to create a great dog is going to be those commands. We got the sit, we got the stay, lie down, leave it, drop it, and of course, that release command. Releases are very important so your dog communicates to them, I am asking something from you, hey, now we're done. Really important stuff, guys. Now the other thing is, of course, we gotta get just heading off all these bad behaviors. Best way to do it is to properly walk, properly exercise, properly socialize your dog, be involved with your dog, take an active role in making sure you're communicating with them what you like, what you don't like, always reinforcing and strengthening good behaviors, desired behaviors that you like, and making sure you're getting out there and walking your dog, guys. That is what's going to make a good dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dog Cast, talking dogs. Or are they? Yeah, y'all know probably what I'm talking about, whether you've you know, seen it on TikTok or Instagram. The dogs that push on the buttons, they step on the buttons, and the button makes a, uh, a noise, a word, right? It repeats a word. and You've seen it, guys. They, you probably see it. For those of you that haven't seen it, I'm going to have, I'm look, I'm going to have a really hard time with this segment today. I'm just being honest. This is going to be tough for me to keep it together um, <laughs> because of the absurdity. Yeah. So they put these buttons, right? Like y'all have seen the little tap lights, like a little light that you hang and you tap the light and the light turns on. That's, that's what the button looks like. Or if you've ever played the game, what's that game? Taboo. Is that right? It has a little button. Uh, you know, you push it. That's what these are. They're little buttons, but the thing is they're not a light. It's not taboo. You push the button and it says a word, a word, right? Like yes, or thank you, or please, or help, or treat. And what people are doing is they're teaching the dogs to step on these buttons, to, to, to push them. And then they're saying that the dogs are speaking English 
to them. The dogs are figuring out and knowing which button to push to speak in sentences to human beings. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> y'all laughing with me? There are legitimately people. I'm not joking, guys. There was one account I came across the other day where this person is legitimately putting out these videos saying, we don't even understand the science and science is wrong and the dog is communicating with me and it's forming sentences and... Has the world lost its f***ing mind? I am sorry. I don't even think I've dropped one of those on my show before. But has the world lost its f***ing mind? <laughs> I, can't, I can't even say this any other way. I don't think I can't curse to convey the amount of absurdity that this is. Guys, come on. Think about this with me. Like, like think about this. A dog, a canine, a domesticated wolf is communicating with people in English. Wow. You'd think this would be bigger news. You know why it's not? Because they're not, guys. Because they're dogs. Let's talk about greater apes for a second. We talk about greater apes. Let's, Let's talk about higher intellect animals in general, right? Like a dolphin or an elephant or greater apes are the best example, right? Because they're so close to us, aren't they? They're one chromosome off. They're so close to being human, but they're not, are they? Because if they were human, they wouldn't be greater apes. Crazy thought, right? Um, so if we remember years and years ago, there was a gorilla named Coco that was taught sign language and was taught to communicate. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, guys. This is a great rape. This is, this is, we're talking night and day, world's difference in evolutionary processing capabilities in the brain between a, a dog, a canine, and a gorilla. Okay, we're not even in the same universe of existence as far as processing capabilities. And this gorilla learned uh, hundreds of signs, right? And could communicate her emotions to some degree, right? To some degree, at least that we could interpret it as. Aha. Okay, so we did experiments to, to understand that this gorilla was trying to communicate. There's ways to figure that out. However, a dog is not capable of that, guys, because, look, if we really want to get deep into it, when, you, when you're teaching a gorilla sign language, you're, what you're really doing is you're conditioning um, a sign, a stimulus. You're conditioning a stimulus with, like, let's say, you know, it's like teaching a little baby. I mean, it's kind of similar. You take a banana and you hold the banana and you show the sign for banana point at banana you know apes can understand pointing and things like that banana and they can and then enough conditioning and repetition and they go oh banana and that's when they start to do the sign so in reality the only reason the ape is communicating the only reason and people don't like to hear this is because they are being conditioned to is that to say they don't have emotions absolutely not is that to say that their emotions are not truly in depth absolutely i'm not saying that They have incredibly deep emotions, but for us to be arrogant enough to go, that ape is learning to communicate, we taught them to. They're learning because we paired stimulus and taught them how to associate a, a, a sign with an object, a sign with an emotion. That ape couldn't do that on their own before, could they? Because if they did, we wouldn't have had to teach them that. Okay, so stick with me here. Let's go to the dog side. Now again, dog. Very different creature. No self-awareness. We've done self-awareness tests where we get different results with a greater ape than we do with a dog. And these people are trying to tell the world that their dog is communicating with them in English. They've taught their dog to speak in English and communicate their emotions. Oh. 
give me a break, guys. Give me a freaking break. Have we lost our minds? Have we lost all sensibility of reality? Have we lost all sensibility of science? Have we lost reason? Have we lost logic? Where has it all gone? Guys, a dog is not speaking English to you. Get over it. They're not. It's not happening. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's. It, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but they're just not going to do it. You know why? Because they're dogs. If they could communicate with us like us, they'd be humans and they wouldn't be dogs anymore. <sighs> there, I said, okay. Whew. All right. <laughs> Okay, guys, so what actually is happening is, is you're, it, look, I've taught, how many of you out there have taught a dog to give a paw? Anybody? Anybody taught their dog to give a paw or to wave or, or maybe to hit a paddle, to hit a target? Anybody out there done that? Because if you have, you're, you're, you're doing exactly what the people are doing that are teaching their dogs to talk. All they're doing is teaching their dog to push a button. That's it. And I can hear it. Well, David, my dog learns the treat button. He knows to push the button that's his treat and he gets a treat. Let me ask you something. Is that treat button in the exact same place every single time? And when yep dog hits the treat button, you give him a treat? Gee, I wonder why he goes to that specific place and hits that button. I'm sure it's because it's saying the word treat, not because you've conditioned him to go to that spot, push that spot, and he gets a reward. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Um, <laughs> you see my point here, guys. If you look at it from a reasonable standpoint of logic, guys, that button doesn't have to make a noise. It doesn't even have to say the word treat, and I can guarantee you that dog will still go push that button that doesn't say anything. Because if you've conditioned to push that specific button and it gets a treat, guess what it's going to do? Oh, my gosh. Guys, the anthropomorphizing of animals has to stop. It, it's gone beyond. Thank you, Disney. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, I hate to say it, it's the truth. Uh, Disney really has not done animals um, a good deed. I, they haven't. They haven't, guys. They haven't. Because every time Disney goes and puts out a damn movie about some anthropomorphizing animal, what does everybody go and do? They want to go out and buy that animal. Look at what happened in the 90s with Air Bud. Everyone went out and bought a golden, you know, was getting a golden retriever. Um, you know, people people were trying to get monkeys in the 90s when that monkey was on uh, Friends and Pirates and all those other movies. And, you know, so it, it, granted, at least the monkey in Pirates wasn't being anthropomorphized uh, too much. It was some degree. Uh, <laughs> you see my point. You see the problem. It snowballs, guys. It just snowballs out of control. And before you know it, people think their dogs are speaking English to them. I get such flack from people it's from the average dog owner who doesn't know any better. I just be truthful, guys. I'm just being honest right now. I get flack so much of David. You don't. You don't think they think and feel. And guys, I never say they don't think and feel. It's never what I've said for a second. But what I am saying is, you're putting your own emotions onto them, and by doing so, you're then anthropomorphizing the animal. You're humanizing them, and so your view is skewed. I'm sorry. You're biased, and you're. you're it's it's incorrect. You can't sit here and tell me, oh, the little human, it's like a little baby, it's like a little this. He does, he does this one thing just like a person. No, he doesn't. You just think he does. Like, ah, guys, I'm sorry to be the bad guy. I'm so sorry to have to burst your bubbles on this, but I've got to bring the world back down to reality that dogs don't speak English. Go watch the videos for yours. That's the other thing. You know, I watched a video the other day that was cut. And, and, and this person had tried to convince everybody that she had trained her dog. 
I can't even believe this. Train her dog that she was giving the dog medication. And then the dog would get a medication, would get a treat after its medication. And so the dog was pushing, help, treat, help, treat. And so she goes, oh, he knows. He knows it's time. It, it was the time I gave him his medicine. He knows. Couldn't possibly be because you're giving him a treat. Guys, what about people who feed their dogs at 5 p.m. every day? What does the dog do at 5? If you feed your dog at exactly 5 p.m. every day, what's going to happen at 4.58? Woof. 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 A conditioned response. So if you give your dog their medication at the same time every day and... <laughs> like, I'm sorry I'm being such a smart aleck here, but guys, it's out of control. It's out of control, this stuff. It's unbelievable. Look, my dogs get a med... You might have seen on my Instagram, I did a fun fun little video of everybody having their cheese. Uh, I give a little bit of cheese. One of my dogs gets a, a pill. Uh, she gets some medicine. And so everybody gets a little piece of cheese every day. Guys, I'm human. Some days I feed them. I walk away. I'm doing five things. I forget to give them their cheese. They're still sitting by the feeding area looking at me like, hey, dude, you forgot the cheese. Okay, like, of course they are. It's a conditioned response. Day after day after day, it is right after their meal, cheese. Right after their meal, cheese. And it's like a little, you know, a little piece of cheese. We're not talking something crazy here. Uh, I'm not like feeding them a block of cheese each, right? Um, but that's the thing. It's a conditioned response. It's a conditioned response. People don't like to, you know, my dog knows. and they, It's a conditioned response, guys. I know, I'm not saying dogs don't have emotions, that's not at all what I'm saying, but to sit here and, and leap from animals have emotions, therefore they can learn English. Huh? Where, where do, how did we get there? Like, how in the world did we, I don't know. Well, I do know. Mm, society, we've anthropomorphized animals so much that our view has become very skewed. So look guys, Please put a head on your shoulders. I'm begging you guys. I'm begging you. Don't think dogs can speak English because they can't. <laughs> they just can't. And that's okay because you know what, guys? I love dogs. Do you know why I love dogs? Because they're not people. That's why I love dogs. I don't know about you guys. I love dogs because they're dogs. So I want them to be dogs, act like dogs, and not act or be like people because I prefer a dog over people any day. <laughs> I think most of you feel the same way. So remember guys, you want your dog to be awesome. Stop treating them like people. Stop thinking they can speak English and treat them like what they are because dogs are awesome. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on The First Pets, we'll be talking about Dwight D. Eisenhower. Now, Eisenhower, he was the 34th president of the United States, serving from 1953 to 1961. During World War II, he served as Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in Europe and achieved the five-star rank of the General Army. He planned and supervised the invasion of North Africa in Operation Torch in 1942-43, as well as the invasion of Normandy, D-Day, from the Western Front in 1944 
1945. Uh, quite an incredible human being. Now, he had two pets, a parakeet named Gabby and a dog named Heidi. Heidi was a Weimaraner, and she was born on May the 9th, 1955. Now, unfortunately, her stay was actually short-lived in the White House, as <laughs> quite a few dogs have been, as we've learned with this awesome segment. Yeah, she ended up having an accident, uh, peeing on a very, very expensive rug. Not just expensive, guys, but $20,000 in 1950 money, roughly equivalent to a quarter of a million dollars today. <laughs> I, you know, look, nature's miracle is great stuff, but $250,000 rug, I, I don't want to be responsible for that one. <laughs> now, there were some other incidents leading up to this before the, the peeing uh, incident that did also contribute to Heidi having to be relocated out of the White House. She actually was very protective over the First Lady and Eisenhower. There were times she'd actually jump in front of the press, in front of the camera people, get in between them, and maybe uh, scaring a few people along the way, right? So they decided to send her to their farm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, a much better, quieter home for her. Now, Weimaraners were actually not very well known in the United States at the time. There was even a, a bit of bit of period of time there when Weimaraners that were exported out of Germany were actually castrated before leaving to ensure purity of the line. But Eisenhower helped contribute, and Heidi, of course, helped contribute to more recognition of the breed. on Speaky Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Brian from Vancouver, Canada. Brian says, how often should I get my doodle groomed? He's a golden doodle and it seems like keeping up with him never ends. <laughs> Great question, Brian. Doodles are a pain. Uh, they really are. Their, their coats are impossible. Um, they, some of them are better than others. Some of them tend to be more wavy and the less curly. Depends on how much doodle, how much golden, how much lab, how much cav, cat king Charlie, you know, all the, the cavapoos, the, the, oh geez, the doodles, the doodles, the do the burn of doodles. There's so many doodles out there. And yeah, golden doodles tend to be, you know, from my experience their their fur is the toughest. So good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> now look, honestly, if, if the truth is you really should be doing just about daily brushing. You heard me right. Daily brushing. Brian, I hope you have a lot of people in your family or a lot of people that live with you because everybody needs to contribute. Yeah, look, that's the truth. You got a golden doodle, that fur, in order to keep it from matting, keep it nice, especially around the paws, you know, around the paws where there's a lot of, you know, in the grass and the dirt and on the ground, it tends to get matted easier, knotted easier. So it's really important that you're diligent about staying up on the grooming yourself. Now, how often should you um, professionally get your dog groomed? You know, really once a month is about, the max you want to be doing it, maybe not even that, really depends. It's going to depend upon the time of year, right? You may need to grow the coat out for winter, uh, may need to shave it down a little bit for summer. So it kind of depends. And if it's shaved down, you may not, you know, you may be able to go a couple months until it grows back in, especially again, if you're diligent about keeping up on brushing it. Honestly, that's the key. The really the key to, to, to not having, to avoid having to go to the groomer and spend so much money is to do it yourself. The more you guys just keep up with the daily brushing, the less often you'll have to be visiting the groomer. Part of it is also a little bit of a, you know, it depends on each dog, again, season cut that they have, what kind of cut. That's going to depend on how often you get them groomed. Once a month is going to be the max, though, so kind of hope that helps you out. Next question. This comes from Vishal from Miami, Florida. Vishal says, everybody in my neighborhood is very dog friendly, and that's great. However, when they say hi, 
They want to get my dog overexcited and encourage him to jump all over them. I don't want him to jump on people. How can I get them to understand that I don't want this and to not make my dog go crazy? Yeah, look, sometimes when I'm out on the walk, I don't say hi to people because I can tell from a mile away how it's going to go. If I have a dog in training and they're only going to get overexcited, you know, they're only going to get my dog overexcited. I won't say hi sometimes. I'll be honest. Sometimes I avoid saying hi because I know what the end result's going to be if I'm in training, if I'm in that training process. But look, you you just need to reason with them. You need to, you know, talk to them and have them understand, okay? And I hate to be that kind of guy, but it's like, dude, if you can't if you can't adhere to my rules with my dog, then I don't need to say hi to you. I'm sorry. Like, my dog's not here for your for your pleasure. My, that's not why they're here. They're not here to jump all over you. Um, look, I know people with, with similar issues, and it's it's tough because you don't want to make enemies of your neighbors, but at the same time, in my opinion, your neighbor's being pretty disrespectful that they don't care about your rules for your dog. It's the way I see it. Your neighbors are being rude, is, is my opinion. Um, the other way is... You don't even have to hire a trainer. Just tell them you've hired a trainer and you're working on the jumping. People tend to understand when you're spending money on something, they respect it more. Because <laughs> people don't like wasting money. Everybody can relate to that. So look, you, you, I'll be visually lie to them a little bit. <laughs> oh, hey, we're actually, we've hired a trainer. We're working on training. We're working on trying to get him to stop jumping. Would you mind helping me train? Ah, and then you turn it. That's how you get people to stop. Ask for their help to train your dog. Don't just be like, oh, I, we don't want him to jump. And then they go, oh, it's okay. No, hey, we're actually training him to not jump. Would you mind helping me do that? People love to help you train your dog. People love to be needed. Um, so it's a good way to kind of flip it. And then you can actually get a training experience out of it. Teach your dog to not jump on them. At the end of the day, though, you can't control people. Some people are not going to listen and there's nothing you can do about that. Again, that's where I go back to my default of, well, then you don't get to say hi to my dog. Have a nice day. Uh, <laughs> sorry, too bad, so sad. Uh, but I hope that kind of helps you out. You know, Try to turn it into a training opportunity. Get the people to help you, and maybe that'll kind of smooth it over and make it go a little better. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the fastest moving ant? It's the Saharan Desert Ant. Yes, they can actually move at 855 millimeters or 33.66 inches per second. May not sound like much, but it is actually 108 times the insect's body length in one second. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday. You're going to want to check it out. Follow me on social media at Speak a Dogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.